So with classic or metal, when you're scaling up on a bugle, it goes tink, 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 tink. You hear every little climb. With wood, it just is a, it's like a slide. Just smooth up and then smooth down. All your little mess ups just get, get absorbed into the wood. And it's got all that. And that's why you sound better in the woods. You know what I mean? You got all that reverberation and it's bouncing off the trees. It just sounds deeper, stronger, and cleaner. That's why I'm, I say, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. And especially when you're learning something new, you need to take advantage of as much as you possibly can. And I, right. you, it's amazing how lucky you get. When you're putting in the time. time. T- t- yeah, persistence makes luck, in my opinion. And, and in, there's no time for, in my opinion, for naps. I usually try to save my bugles for later, like if I need them. And so I will save my bugles and just wait and wait and wait until I need it. Like it's, it usually goes cow call sequence, cow call sequence. So with the tube, without the tube, then I'm like, I wait a little while. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to pick up the tube and try and bugle at them. Sometimes that's a better time to kill him. If you let him go bad, you you know, you can get in there into his comfort zone and bugle at him and he may be more likely to come bite you off. Um, if he's but if he's been messed with and like I, I've dealt with them before where you step on a twig and they're just out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they're it's like September twenty eighth and they've just been run through the ringer every time someone gets out of a car, every time someone bugles at them, you're three miles in and someone, they just get people walk in on a trailhead every day and hunt that same herd of elk, you know. The best thing to do is just is just mule deer hunt them. Right. Let them bugle and just slip in there as quiet as possible and then and become one of the elk. I think there's a lot of times they might get called in at season two, you know what I mean? Like that early part, like I've had very, very good luck September 1 to September 8th on calling in big bulls as we where they come from for us they come off the mountains or like up in the high country and on, when they're on their way down and they don't have they haven't had any action yet and they're just getting started they, they're susceptible and they haven't been necessarily called in yet either and so they're susceptible to being called in where later in the season maybe they've been called in once or twice or called at once or twice dad always said he said the best time to kill a giant bull is the first time you mess with them Hey guys, real quick before we get into this episode, I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, go give us a review on iTunes. Can't stress it enough. It's really, really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going. Next, get involved with your hunting rights. Go join Howl for Wildlife. Super simple. Takes a couple minutes. You can even do the free membership. I don't care, but be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game and go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. I canceled my July hunting. Usually, like in the next two weeks here, I'd be going to California to go chase blacktail around, but my shoulders are just not right and I don't feel I got some other stuff going on too with work so just yeah smarter decision so really my first hunt was elk hunting to be honest with you I might do a little bear hunting here in Arizona yeah but I don't have a I don't have any tags for uh for deer in the early season this year oh yeah yeah well shoot man that kind of sucks but at the same time hopefully your shoulder gets better yeah i hope so i i I keep thinking i'm laying off it long enough and then i go back to working out or whatever and then it freaking starts hurting me again and 
So the uh, the new endeavors got you busy. Oh yeah, it's, I mean we also I'm still doing all the Higgins stuff and power call stuff too. So mm. just added another thing on. So this is your brand specifically. Yes. That's awesome. And what what is it called? It's called Riven, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty pretty stoked with it. This one is kind is mine this time, so I get to actually kind of choose the direction and everything, and um, hell yeah, use all my media and so whatnot. And I love I, I'm pretty stoked about it. That's awesome. So what uh yeah. you gonna concentrate on elk and turkey, or what do you? So this brand is just elk only. I'm leaving turkey still as power calls. Okay. You know, and just so we just don't muddy the water. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have so much uh, traction on the turkey side, you know, just leave it where it needs to be. So we're pretty stoked about it. We built that all wood bugle tube, you know. It's pretty taken us years, though. I've been working on this project for year, year three on it. Oh really? I, I, yeah, maybe four. Um, we've been working on it for a long time. So, no, we wanted to do it. Wanted to get product development up to date, and mm-hmm. and then last year winning really excelled everything. Right, I'm you know? sure winning this year helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt anything. Did you use your new calls this year's? Uh... Yep, and I did last year too. It's the same calls. Oh, okay. So I. Yeah, I did last year too, and um, I got dome calls now, which is going to be good. You know, they're a lot easier for everyone to use. Yeah, I can't. You know, just got. I can't freaking yeah. blow on it if it doesn't have a hyperdome. Yeah. Of some sort. Yep. I can't do it. I, I could. I yeah. can on a turkey call, but I can't with an elk for some reason. Yeah, that's interesting. Is I've heard that from a lot of people. Yeah. I still don't like it without even on a turkey, but I'll. I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I get way too much air going over the top. It's not, you're not the only one. A lot of people do. Yeah. I haven't even put a call in my mouth since last season. Uh, really? Yeah. I, I, that's a, I mean, it's a lie because I did it yesterday with my son was, uh, was uh, wanting to learn. He f- found interest in it again all of a sudden, thank God. And uh, so, yeah, yesterday we were we were messing around, but man, it's a, it's definitely a perishable, uh, skill that <laughs> it just goes yes. away very quickly. I mean, I get obviously, yeah. you know, cow call and all that stuff, like real, like all the basic stuff. No, but you know, all those nuanced things and chuckling and all that other stuff, it all kind of went out yeah. the door. <laughs> man, I need to send you some of ours or, they're so freaking easy to use. Yeah, I'd love to They're, try. I'd love to check it out. You've been doing the. Uh, you, you got the large frame ones that you're doing most of the time. Is that? Yeah, I run the large frame a lot, but then I, you know, we build. Been working on the small frame stuff. Yeah, that's kind of. From my mouth, I've always been good with the medium. I don't know. I could tell you what I use, but I pretty much use a Phelps amp. Yeah, it's same size as a Phelps amp. Okay, yeah, I, I run the gray, I run their gray one for my bugling and the black one for my cow sounds. Oh yeah, so. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm sending out some, and he's got to send me an address. Uh, you did already, correct? I think so. Yeah, when you asked me a couple of weeks ago, yeah, yeah, I sent it over. Yeah, yeah, I'm sending out calls right now, and I'll send you a few. Let's try them out. 
Hell yeah. I'd love to check so. them out. I'd like to uh, run them this year. I only got one elk hunt. I might guide for a guy here too, but I don't know if uh, that hasn't come through yet. I'm just kind of going back and forth. I definitely have a, I have a late season, but I won't be calling during yeah. that. So, no, but uh, I'm going to be in Idaho for a couple weeks. Well, not quite a couple weeks, yes. 10 days. So Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, we'll see if we can uh, get one done there. It's tough, man. It takes 10 days to get them a lot of times. Yeah. The first day or the 10th day. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, let's see. Last time I was there, I got a month, day three. But then I spent the next uh, five days trying to help my hunting partner, Charles, get one. Man, we had so many close encounters and just it, it always went wrong like right at the last second we did so many things right and it was really frustrating we had this really big ass bull and two times uh, we were lucky enough to get two two cracks at him one i got busted we got busted by the wind um but we were we were less than 50 yards from him uh we just didn't have a shot and the cows winded us and got up and ran and took them running with them and then uh, we had a calling situation where he was just bugling his head off and just running these cows around. And I saw an opportunity and I said, okay, you know, you and uh, Dan was running camera for us, my buddy. And I'm like, you and Dan run over, go up here. And I was like trying to tell him because I was mouthing it to him. Yeah. So they got to the bush, like the bush that I wanted, but I wanted them to go up this, like, it was like a rise. It would go like a, you know, um, I don't know, like the tail end of a ridge, but like a like a hill, like a little hill. And he yeah. was up on top. And I'm like, I want you to go all the way up to like before you can see over and just like get down on your knee right there. Yeah. But they weren't getting it. But anyway, so I <laughs> dropped back even further or a little bit further. And he bugled and I came over the top with him with like a, but I did like a bull calling cows bugle at him or a roundup bugle however you want to call it. Um, yeah. And dude, he came running in, but he came right to the edge and he came, yeah. was coming so fast that I was like, oh shit. So I just got down on the ground and kind of rolled in a ball, you know, just to make yeah, myself yeah. not. And he came down and he was just glaring down at me. And I think he saw the sun reflecting off my uh, GPS. And then yeah. he just like turned around and ran back at the cows. But those guys never even saw him because they were down too low. And I was like, oh. son of a bitch, if you would have been where I told you to be, he would have been getting a yeah. freaking broadside shot right now at 10 yards. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was that, it was just crap like that, just frustrating, you know. But yeah, you know, we had a good time. Yeah, that, that, we, were, we, were in, just... we were in elk all the whole time. From day the first morning on, we had elk, you know. <laughs> coming in responding just well, i mean that's that's out. all you can ask for man yeah it was really a, it was a great trip it was a great trip i can't there was no no complaints at all so yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to have at least that great of an experience this time so yeah you should man i would i would think so right yeah it's it, it just depends year to year too though it just yeah you never know where they're gonna be like as far as at what level they're gonna be at in the rut you know, because it it varies. I don't care what anybody says. It's not that you know linear. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. The activity anyway, you know, the, the actual run itself doesn't change much, but the activity level of the elk, you know, if it's real well, hot it's or the moon, cold, the moon, the, the weather, hot. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 So, I, I like those. I like those colder years. That's what I like. Yeah. So do I. I mean, I, from a comfortable stability standpoint and also for activity standpoint, I'd rather it be colder than hot. So, yeah. But Absolutely. yeah, we even we got some snow that that year too. That it was twenty twenty one. Yeah, but, yeah, and it was uh, it was it was good. It was matter of fact. I think I had talked to your dad. Didn't he shoot one in Idaho that year or two? Was that twenty twenty? That, that was a year he probably killed two. Yeah, like two big bonafogas. <laughs> yeah. but I don't expect. Yeah, it. I don't he think, stays after him. I don't expect anything different from your dad. <laughs> He's. He loves no. to shoot them big boys, man. And he's got yeah, a, he's, he's an got animal. A, I'm, so I'm the five point guy. That's what I like. I like whatever is going to give me an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. You, I take, it's it's not easy to. I don't know. It's it's hard, man. Yeah, for sure. So, so but, well, I got Bo Brooks with us, two time world champion Bo Bricks. I can say that now. We're going to talk elk, and. uh yeah, whatever else we get into it, I guess. But why don't you give us a little bit more, a uh, little more rundown about yourself, that uh, just in case people that didn't hear you the last yeah. time you were on, and and then we could talk a little bit more about your company here, and then we'll roll into some questions. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I you know I grew up out on the West Coast in uh, center Washington, which is about an hour from the ocean. So we're right on the I five, so the Roosevelt and Cascade Roosevelt border, you know, right there in that area, and Grew up hunting Washington, Oregon my whole life. I'm not a big bull hunter like my dad, you know. <laughs> I get over-the-counter tags and <laughs> and hunt, uh, and I'll, I'll shoot whatever walks in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I don't have the patience. But uh, I, I guide elk hunts in Oregon um, and uh, have been doing it since I was 18. I'm 26 years old now. I just love to do it and don't want to miss a single day of September. And, uh, you know, we'll do uh, – I'll guide some rifle hunts through the year, but uh, for the most part, you know, archery is my passion. And I don't know, I just I love to hunt elk, and I love more than anything to call elk. I don't necessarily need to, to let the arrow fly to have a good time. I just enjoy watching other people smile on their face when you watch a bull come walking in. Bugling, quiet, doesn't matter. You know, any elk experience is a good elk experience, in my opinion. Right. So, I agree. you know, it's just a super super cool to be able to share that with lots of people and you know my i get a my family my dad and my my mom and my little brother they all like to hunt and so uh it's kind of cool kind of brings us together every year yeah that's awesome i, I think last time i had you on you were telling me that you you actually hunt more with your mom than anybody yeah yeah, yeah i do it's it's super fun she's a an elk killer man you want to see someone clean a bull up real quick, mom? She she's got it going on. That's awesome. We're gonna, we're yeah. gonna get mom on the podcast. <laughs> you you need to. She's got plenty of stories. I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. That'd be no. awesome. But so, um, I'm curious about the uh, the all wood bugle tube. Like, let, let's yeah, talk man, about that uh, a little bit because I'm yeah. definitely intrigued. It's a, it was a really cool story, man. So, you know, for, I, I started out building calls when I was eight, 
17 or 18 years old. I started my own call company. It's called Brooks Custom Calls. And I mean, I've been building calls for a long time. I've, I've people that know me, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a, I'm 100% a hunter, but I'm just intrigued with anything I can call. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a caller, the hunter type of situation, you know, I just, um, but I, I, I not the type of person that wants someone to call for me though. You know what I mean? Like I should, I just, I, that's the reason I'm out there. I want to call right. them. So, you know, trying to be as real as possible and whatnot. And we, um, I started experimenting with materials about, about six or seven years ago. I built aluminum tubes. I built, you know, out of a bunch of different materials and, you know, none of them truly just did anything for me. I'm like, man, that's just, it's just not right. You know what I mean? It just didn't feel right. And, um, uh, my friend and, and, uh, we work together now, um, Jeff Forsberg was, it was talking and I talked to one of my other buddies, like, what if we had a, like a baseball bat and just whistled and just poured it out? Like, oh, I'd never work. No way we could manufacture it and whatnot. And, uh, Jeff's like, dude, I said, I was took, um, um, a bark. I took a piece of bark once upon a time and, um, off of an aspen tree and he's like i just rolled it up and he's i lost my tube and it sounded great (laughs) you know and i'm like yeah well i'm like i you know we've talked about this in the past you know like but i was just like there's no way to make it so it'd be so hard and it's like well let's let's try like you know the time is right for something different in this space you know Mm -hmm. and this kind of be something fun and we started working on it and he has a friend in, in colorado that has like this old like they homesteaded this property and they have the railroad car and it has a lathe in it and stuff. And he started working on them and building them out. And, and, uh, he brought me this one and it was made out of the first one we ever made was out of maple. Mm. And man, this thing was crude and it was just gnarly, terrible finish on it. But man, it sounded so good. And I guided that year, 130 days of it. And I'm just was amazed at the sound and every person that hunted with me too, they're just like, wow, that's just, sounds so much different and so we kept working on it working on it and i'm like man this is just and we just it was just so hard you know just to figure out how to make these things it's a you know it's a one-piece deal and right um, and we're and finally we made we were like okay we need to find a better design so we wanted to make it a little smaller we needed to make it lighter and at worlds last year um jeff had another one made that he, him, him and his buddy made, and they brings it up for the what I, what I, the specs that I wanted. And right, I mean, this is in the hotel at Worlds. And he's like, dude, try this. And it is the most beautiful tube. I'll send you a picture of it. It's made out of zebra wood. Mm. And I, I, I googled through that thing, and I'm like, this is, I've never heard anything like this in my life. I mean, twice as good as the one before. Oh, wow. And I'm like, this is incredible. And I went in and I actually won Worlds with it that year. I mean, like that was a day of, you know, right. or the day, night before. I can't remember it. I'm like, and I just switched everything I had been practicing with. I'm like, I'm running this, and went in there and won. And then we just put it into hyperdrive and just figured out how to. We were like, we've worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked, and, worked and like we're gonna do this thing. And we finally figured out how to make these dang things. And and uh, you know, this is the big thing about it. We talked about, you know, you know, obviously you're not gonna be able to make this cheap. No, right. No, it's, it's just, it's not possible. And we had opportunities to go with cheaper woods, but that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it to make something that's going to, you're going to actually be able to tell the difference with, Right. you know, this wood, wood, it's just like any instrument. It's, and that's what we wanted was an instrument. You know, it's something that, you know, 
you're you're going to carry it in the woods, but you're going to treat it with a little bit more respect. You're not going to lose it. You're going to be able to hand this down to your kid. Every scratch, every dent, everything is going to mean something. And you're going to hang it up on your mantle at the end of the year because you're proud of it, hmm. you know, and, and just kind of building some tradition in this, in this space. You know, there's not a ton of things that have tradition at the end of the day, probably going to sell your boat in a few years. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're going to throw away your old boots, you know, old packs, you know, and you're sick, you know, sick of gear someday you may rip it and you're going to throw it in the, throw it away. You know what I mean? Yep. And, but the bugle tube is, it's made out of wood. It can stand the test of time and you can give it to your kid and be like, this is what I use. And, and you know, this scratch right here and yeah, little, I do notches in my, you know what I mean? Right. And I just think that it would be so killer. So, Oh yeah. And so, you know, the big thing is that's a, it's a, like I said, an instrument. So we, that's where we got our, got all of our like inspiration for it was like guitars and these different things. Because we were talking like acoustically, obviously that's why they're made out of those materials mm-hmm. because they sound so good. And, and what I found with it is it actually like, I call it mending. So with plastic or metal, when you're scaling up on a bugle, it goes tink, 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 tink. You hear every little climb. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With wood, it just is a, it's like a slide. It goes smooth up and then smooth down. And all your little mess ups just get, get absorbed into the wood. And it's got all that. And, and that's why you sound better in the woods. You know what I mean? You've got all that reverberation and it's bouncing off the trees. And it, it just sounds deeper, stronger, and cleaner. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's, it really is come together. And, that, and then actually this year I, I won worlds with our, with our production bugle tube. So that's out of black walnut and that thing just sounds incredible. And nice. I, it, it's, uh, and we launched on the day of, we launched the, the company, the day of worlds. <laughs> oh really? That's <laughs> it, awesome. It, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, we're going to bat at the fence for this one. You know what I mean? And, uh, this is, <laughs> This is what we're going to do. I said, if I win this thing, it's going to blow it out of the water. <laughs> right, right. What, uh, so just did you guys get brand. a website set up for it? Oh, yeah, big time. What's yep, the, yep. What's it's, the website? It's, it's, it's called www.huntriven.com, and it's got like all of my, uh, got all my like wildlife. It's got some wildlife photography on it for me, and then like all of, I get, I gotta, I gotta go all out on this thing. Is I, people that don't know, that's what I do. Cause I'm a videographer and photographer and I'm like, I got to have so much fun with it because I, I feel like that, you know, you can feel that through our copy and I mean, it's just, we live, breathe, sleep it. And we didn't get have to hold anything back this time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's a, it's a clean slate. So www.huntriven.com. We named it the uh, Cambian tube because you know that Cambium layer yeah, mm-hmm. that the elk live on all winter. I'm like, the wood is so close to like an elk. You know what I mean? It's like that's it, it sustains them through winter and it's just it it just I wanted it to be rooted in in elk heritage. Nice. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And that's that's a big thing too. So the biggest questions we get with the with the wood tube is how heavy is it? It's one point four pounds. So yesterday I filled up a Nalgene water bottle, half full. That's how much it weighs. Gotcha. So like it's literally weighs nothing. Like, uh, you know, we did a few other things. And so like a bag of, a bag of coffee beans, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just super, super, super light and very durable. I mean, I've used these for three years and, you know, knock on, literally knock on wood. Mm-hmm. I haven't broke one yet. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's been so cool. It's it's just going to take time to, we, I just can't wait to show everybody it. And every person I've ever showed it, like let them hold it in their hand. They're like, oh my gosh. You know. It, I mean, just, it looks yeah. pretty freaking pretty sick pretty amazing <laughs> yeah Congrats, it's definitely man. pretty cool and so like like i tell people to like it like we have it don't have a cover yet for it so mm-hmm. what i do is i've been just i wrap it in vet wrap and if i if i want to keep it nice like i had the one last year that was like super nice it was the one i won worlds with so i'm like i'm not gonna scratch this one too bad and so i just wrap it in like a in like a tennis wrap or vet wrap and so it doesn't leave a residue and it's I just pull it off at the end of the year and hang it back up on one of my bullhorns. Sweet. The other one is destroyed. It's got scratches and everything. And I think it looks cooler than the one I kept nice. Right. That's <laughs> what I like. And I, I like the idea of notching them, <laughs> notching it on there. That's pretty cool. So. Yep. Yep. It's uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, an extension of you, man. Like yeah. the mouth calls go through them every year. But this is something that you're going to pick it up and you're just going to see me like an old friend. Well, congrats on it, and uh, I wish you luck on the endeavor. I appreciate it. Let's switch gears here a little bit, and we jump into some questions and uh, and uh, pick your brain a little bit here. <laughs> Absolutely. So, my first question to you before we get into like tactic. Well, I guess this is a tactic question too. What are you going to do different this year than you did in previous years? If you want, well, uh, and you might not be anything. I mean, you might stick into your game plan. It was been working for you, man. I actually am changing it up a little bit this year. I'm actually going to a lot of new places, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, uh, and I guess that I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down to Southern Oregon and like on the coast range because we, it's everything's changed in Oregon the way that like you have to draw now. And there's only over-the-counter units on the west side, and then a few on the east side. And so you got to kind of like, so I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna go, and I've been researching all year, just trying to. I've never been down there, but one time I went down there, hunted Southern Oregon, and I shot a Roosevelt for for elk hunting, right? I've, I've hunted turkeys down there and whatnot, but just talking to friends that rifle hunt down there, and I'm just trying to figure it out and what I'll. As far as my game plan goes, I'll probably treat it very similarly that what I do to when I go to other new places, I don't sleep. I hunt every second of every day I can. So mm-hmm. I hunt all day, get an hour or two of sleep, get back up in the middle of the night, and I run all over the place mm-hmm. trying to find new bulls, you know. And I, it's been very effective for me in the past just learning where bulls are in these new areas, you know. And uh, I might – might rely on glassing a little bit more than I have in previous years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm, I'm very much, I'm very much call oriented listening and sitting down, waiting, just working my way through the woods and uh, a lot of opportunity to glass down there. But man, it's going to be, I'm going to do a little bit more scouting than usual. You know, I'm just going to try and by scouting, I'm going to, I'm going to call it networking. I'm not going to call it scouting. Mm. Just all the people I know that are hunting down there, but not hunting down there. Right. So the rifle hunters and whatnot, uh, just talking to them and just, I mean, there's definitely, they're in different, different areas later in the season, but you'll find areas where there's bulls consistently, little local herds, you know, and, uh, 
just trying to, uh, trying to learn it, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, man. Yeah. I I do a lot of, uh, networking and a lot of cyber scouting because I unfortunately don't have the time or the ability to go and put boots on the ground anymore. You know, it's been years. I I agree. That's, that's kind of where I'm at now with this new company and, uh, the other jobs that I have. Yeah. And there, did you have a kid on the way too? Nope. No kid yet. Oh, Um, I thought you said you had a kid. I thought somebody told me or or saw something, but okay. No kid just married. Yeah. Just married. And I, I mean, that's kind of, We'll cross that bridge when I get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's going to add another, another, uh, you know, thing yes, in the mix. <laughs> that's that's going to, yeah, for sure. You're going to have to navigate with, you know. But so you kind of, you kind of answered part of what my, my first question was. My original first question was going to be to you, and I was going to ask you what your, you know, what your game plan is when you're going into a new area. So it sounds like you're talking to people, getting some some intel, and then. Once you're there, yeah. you start figuring it out. But yeah, once once I'm there, I, I like to. I know it's going to sound kind of you know it's going to counter each other, but I like to be thorough and slow. But at the same time, I like to move a lot when I'm in a new area. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I find something where I'm pretty sure there's a lot of bulls, or I hear one at night or whatnot. I get in there and I work my way through it slowly, sitting down, calling, you know, giving it 30 minutes per setup. You know what I mean? Just because right. there's a good chance that he's going to come walking in quiet. And on the other side of it, I'm running around at night bugling or during the day, like I'm in the truck, I'm hammering down. You know what I mean? Trying to go from place to place to place to place to find a bull that's ready to rock. It's uh, that's why I'm, I say, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. And especially when you're learning something new, you need to take advantage of as much as you possibly can. And I, right. you, it's amazing how lucky you get when you put in the time. time. T- t- yeah. Persistence makes, makes luck in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And, and in, there's no time for, in my opinion, for naps. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, I'll take one here and there and man, I do. I want to take one. I would love to, I, I'd much rather be sitting up against a tree with that 80 degree summer breeze hit me in the face in early September then and in a camper sleeping, you know, I've had a, more times than not, I'll be sitting there calling I hear, and I look over and there's, a, there's a bull. That's and funny. So, that happened to me. <laughs> that happened to me in, U- uh, yeah, in Utah in 2017. Yeah. We had bulls going all morning long and then, you know, it died out. I had some opportunities at a couple of bulls that I wasn't willing to take that early on in the, uh, in the hunt. Yeah, and we decided because we hiked in at like three a.m. We're like, all right, let's yeah. let's just lay here for a little bit. And well, I'm not much for friggin' naps, but everybody, you know, everybody else. It was just Shane and my other buddy, yeah, Cody. They both fell asleep, and um, I started like just cow calling periodically. Yeah, and, and then out of nowhere. Here comes his bull silent. And he was like <laughs> 20 yards behind me. And I was like, oh shit, he's right there. They they woke up just in time to see it all go down, but I didn't end up obviously yep. I didn't shoot him. But yeah, it was just uh it was it was funny. It was like when you least expect it. It's always when they come in. Mm-hmm. It's you're not paying attention or you're working on your calling because you're just 
there's no bulls here and you're calling and calling and calling and all of a sudden just right below you just right. you, it, it, it's it's like winding up a top mm-hmm. and you a lot of times there's a lot of times you don't know you're winding that top up you know what i mean and yep. because he's he's not going nuts yet and all of a sudden he just goes yep i'm done i'm in i'm coming yep and absolutely. you you don't you don't know what's happening. Yep. That's crazy. So, so I wanted to ask you, cause this gets asked to me all the time and I don't know, over the years I've kind of changed what I do and whatnot, but what it's really slow, like when you're not hearing any bugles, you're not getting responses, you know, they're elk yep. there because either you heard them at night or you're just seeing fresh sign or whatever. What are you yep. doing to get it done at that point? No, there are no slow, slow periods. So slow periods. Okay. Yeah. So like that, and I, I know I sound like a broken, broken record here, but like when it's real slow for me and like the moon phase is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've been there before. I believe that I didn't used to, but it's funny, you know, you get hot days and then the full moon's out and whatnot. Heat, um, heat and full mooners is a killer. Those, yeah, that, kill, that, that it, kills your hunt big time. It does. It kills your hunt. And so you got to You got to take advantage of the times when it's not cold, when it's not hot, mm-hmm. you know, those bulls, they come down to these, they'll come down to these cool Creek beds and whatnot. And, uh, and you need to get, I, in my opinion, you need to go in as a, you need to go in in the dark. That's just, mm-hmm. that's all there is to it. I find I, you'll be driving along or walking along, whatever you want to do. You don't, in my opinion, if you're night bugle and you drive, is there just that's when that's when they're not dumb enough, but that's when you slam a car door and they're still bugling. Right. You know what I mean? Because they, they know they're safe then. And usually they're wound up then. They're howling at the moon. <laughs> and you just uh and I, I run around and when I step out, i I remember it clear as day um a few years ago I was guiding in this uh in this in this area in Oregon and it's an area that I've never hunted before and I kind of just got thrown into it, like go figure it out. <laughs> full moon warm weather september 9th 10th so they're not ready to rip yet they're just really just getting going right and i just remember i got i got out of the car i hadn't heard a bull all night it happened multiple nights but i felt the cold air hit my face from this creek i'm like oh this this is this feels just right and i just i call and i just right there <laughs> And then I listened some more. And then, they're all over the place up there on that hill. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, oh crap, you know, like this is this is getting this is and, and for me it kind of like I don't know it kind of like just get you learn a lot right throughout the years when you're hunting. But I just remember I just sat there and I'm like, wow, this is. You know, it, it's if it, this is where they they it, you can kind of paint in your mind what's happening. They're up on the flat during the day, they're coming down off this hill, and they're going down in the creek at night. And because it's safe down there, and there's all the green grass and everything, and it's safe down there during that time of day. I think if this what should we call it? Uh, if this was Yellowstone, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be a lot different deal. So they'd be in there in the in the broad daylight. Right. And so I don't know. It's just keep going, keep looking. And then like I bring it back to sitting and waiting. Right. So you find, find that bull, he bugles at night and you only get so much time when he's going to be bugling in the morning. 
And so I try to get in a good spot because you get an hour, in my opinion, of thermals in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, after the sun comes up. And so I get in usually a position, I sit there and wait far enough away where I still bugle and still bugle and still bugle. And I just wait until it's shooting light. And then I make my move and I try to stay below him or on the side of him, you know, in, in a timber situation, not, not when they're coming up from fields and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I slip in there and I try to be fairly quick. If it doesn't happen, then, you know, I'm very, very slow, meticulous, just calling, listening, calling, listening, calling, listening. Just because he's not bugling doesn't mean you can't get wound up. You know, you know, that bull's in that area. Right. And so just, uh, you wind in that top <laughs> and I usually try to get, get fairly close to some sort of water when I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where they're going to be bedded up for the day. Like one of those little creeks that come off a hill, like, and you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask you this, like, as far as calling is concerned, you said, wind them up. Are you, you're starting with something up, whatever. And I'll let you answer that part, but you're starting with one type of call or maybe one, one series of calls then you're not getting yep. response and then do you switch it to something else to see if you get a response and then switch it to something else if you don't get a response and then find yep. something until something until something likes what you're throwing at them or yep i i do i do and what i'll do is i'll i take my bugle tube mm-hmm. and and i cow call through that that it, it's 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 to me like i when i step up to the batting plate or i'm in there and trying to get him to go you know, if I know he's right there, right there, I won't be, I won't necessarily start out with a cow call through the tube, but like if I'm, if I'm trying to dig one up. I always start with a cow call through the tube because everybody gets in there and they bugle right off the bat for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They bugle as high, as loud as they can go. And I usually try to save my bugles for later, like if I need them. And so I will save my bugles and just wait and wait and wait until I need to, uh, until I need it, like, like it's, it usually goes cow call sequence, cow call sequence. So with the tube, mm-hmm. without the tube, then I'm like, I wait a little while. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to pick up the tube and try and bugle at them. Mm. And so it's usually just kind of how I do it. Things change as you get later into September when they're just bugling like crazy, you know, but that's from till about, September 17th to 20th. I'm usually, I'm usually sticking to that. Yeah. I think I already know the answer to this question or what you're going to give me as an answer. I know what I would do for sure, but let's say you hear, you hear two bulls, three bulls, whatever you kind of got into that situation or you just, they're just bugling back and forth. Mostly, I guess it all depends on what they're saying, but I would say like mostly like, you know, your typical advertisement type bugles. But yeah, when you put stuff, yeah, when you uh, bugle at them or, you know, in response to one of them, they don't necessarily respond to you, but they're just still talking. What, what are you, what are you doing in that situation? Um, usually, usually I'm shutting up and slipping in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I pick one I'm going to go slip in on and I just, I just get quiet and I try and get on the edge of his cows. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, once you're I want to, 
Well, if let's say you get well, in you, and you, you, you got visual on the cows and you're, you know, you're within shooting range of the cows, whatever, what are you, what are you doing at that point? It really just depends on the bull. That's a, that's a, that's a really great question because it's, there's times that I'll throw a little wimpy, wimpy bugle at him. Mm-hmm. Just once I, once I know I'm in his bubble, it's a, or there's other times I'm like, I'll just go, I'll just do a whole half and wake him up a little bit. But mostly, most of the time I can pretty confidently say I'll, I'll slip in there and I'll get on the edge of his cows. I'll hit him with that little, little tiny guy mm-hmm. or, or just may, I may rake a tree, you know, just, it's so situational for me, you know, but once I've gotten to the edge, you know, you're kind of a little bit more in control than you would have been, you know, after you're chasing them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's personal preference. If I, if I'm calling at him and he answers a cow call every time, like a, a cow call, like say I get more responses as I'm slipping in on him, like I'm calling at him and every once in a while he'll answer my cow call, but he won't answer the bugle the whole time. I'm going to slip in there and I'm going to cow call at him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of d- gauging that temperature as you're going in. Or you hear him, you hear him screaming at all the other bulls and just going nuts at them. Mm-hmm. And he's chasing off little satellites. I'll try and get as tight as I possibly can and hit him with a little, little bull. <laughs> right. So Let's see if he'll come, yeah, it's, come chase you off. See, come chase me off too. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a situation that I see a lot here, especially in Arizona. It's, um, because we're so hot still in September, very, very rarely do we have really cold or cool weather during the early yeah. elk season. And yeah. some of our units are, you know, 4,500 to 6,000 feet, which is not super high. So you're really getting that summertime heat. So the, the elk, they'll be super active early in the early part of the morning. And yep. then, you know, they almost always shut up here at like 10 o'clock. Like, boom. You, you, yeah, you it's get very a, similar to Nevada. V- yes. Well, I, w- I think this yes. is a very desert state, hot yep. weather situation. Cause I noticed this in New Mexico also, but I don't have a ton of experience there. Only hunted there myself once, but, but I, I, it's very similar experiences I would have here in Arizona. Anyway. So you get that situation where, you have a bull that consistently just man every you could throw anything at him and like you said a slam a car door he's gonna bugle back at you type situation. A lot of times that bull will be the one that every time you get in, you know runs. Yeah, not, yeah, just kind of gets his cows, starts round up bugling and moves. Doesn't necessarily yep. run away, but just takes yep. his cows and goes away. But fast, you know, elk speed not human speed. So <laughs> getting yeah. away and then he moves five, 600, 700 yards away, whatever. And yep. still bugling at you. You get that all the time. What is it? What do you do in that situation? So you, I find this more and more too with the, the public land where I'm from in Oregon. I mean, it's, I think that I'm hearing it in Idaho and other, a lot of other places are dealing with this. You know, the bulls just grab their cows and go, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I attribute part of that that they don't want to mess with another bull, but then I also attribute it to the pressure. You know, yep. they're getting chased every single day, and and they've been called in probably before in, in the season. Like, and they 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 can, I mean, I don't care what anyone says, they they are smart when it comes to calling. Like they 
they, yeah. they have, if they've been messed with, they know a lot of times, even if you're the best caller. When in the you're world, done giving her your answer, I want to give you my, my ex, I, what I think is happening in that situation that you're talking about right now. Go ahead. Go. Absolutely. And so, um, man, I just, I just shut up just to be honest with you. Like I just shut up because when he's doing that, he is running around his cows constantly a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, and checking them. And if you can get on the edge of them, he's going to come around eventually. It's just getting in the right place at the right time and just getting it. It's always when you're in their bubble, things happen. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it, when they're that deep in the rut, they're just, they're feeling it and they're running around and, and you may not have a ton of time because they're going to shut down at 10 o'clock. And sometimes that's a better time to kill him. If you let him go bed, you, you know, you can get in there into his comfort zone and bugle at him and he may be more likely to come fight you off. Um, if he's, but if he's been messed with and, like I, I've dealt with them before where you step on a twig and they're just out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they're, it's like September 28th and they've just been run through the ringer every time someone gets out of a car, every time someone bugles at them, you're three miles in and someone, they just get people walk in on a trailhead every day and hunt that same herd of elk. You know, mm-hmm. the best thing to do is just, I, is just mule deer hunt them, <laughs> right. let them bugle and just slip in there as quiet as possible. And then, and become one of the elk. <laughs> right right so yeah yeah i think that's a great tactic if you have the ability to stay with them yes but if you don't a lot of times like you need the bugle to keep going in the right direction or to keep following them the right way or you know to shadow them because the visual is not there or you may not have the woodsmanship to look at the sign to follow them and stay with the herd. Yeah. So have your buddy do it. Have a, have him bugling too at the right. Yeah, distance. we've done we've done that. That has actually worked out really good for me. It reminds me of a story. I had a really I had a friend of mine drew a tag in, in the worst unit in, here in Arizona, and we had it was dry and hot and just brutal. So I only got to hunt with them for two days, but one of the ways we created an opportunity because we kept running into the situation that first off, it was really hard to find elk. But once we did, we ran into the situation two or three times. And finally I was like, listen, because his brother met up with us. I'm like, your brother and I are going to go after this bull. I want you to stay here in this spot. And every once in a while, I want you to let out a bugle. So he will respond. He'll know that you're not coming in and we could keep tabs on him. And yep. and we we end up screwing it up at the end with the wind, but we got we were there. We were like eighty we were like eighty yards from him. And anyway, we didn't end up getting the bull, but we created the opportunity. And that's the point. So, I like the way you say created the opportunities. That's how it has to be a lot of times. You mm-hmm. gotta create it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to give you my, I don't, did I, I, I'll let you finish your, uh, your answer there. Cause I'm like, I'm very good at uh, taking people off on tangents. Um, I have a feeling this, this is the way, not really a feeling. This is the way I view it. That places like Idaho, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Montana, even, uh, even in, yep. in, in Wyoming where you have like, general tags or over-the-counter tags or more um, low-draw unit tags. Right. I feel like those 
opportunities are more brown is down type yep. states. Yep. And yep. I'm not trying to offend anybody from those states or anybody because, you know, every there's to each his own, you hunt the way you want. I'm that way anyway. I'll, I'll, you and I talked about that earlier, you know, whatever comes our way, we, you know, we're not terribly picky. I'm not looking for the biggest and the baddest, but when you draw a state like Utah or your Arizona or New Mexico, Nevada, you got to have points to do yeah. it, right? You're invested time. You're coming here to shoot a big bull. You don't come to Arizona to shoot a small bull, right? No, no. Because that's, you know, arguably Arizona's one of the top states for producing big bulls, right? Yep. So a lot of bulls get called in and then passed up. I know my outfitter buddies, every one of them's got oh, yeah, we called in 12 bulls today and, you know, we're just in, we didn't find that one, <laughs> you know? So yes. there's a big education process going on in these states like this where they are more weary to calling in a, in a way. They're going to answer. They're, yeah. doing, they're doing the elk things, but – the shift has happened in the last like 15 years where somebody was like, Oh, that's a 300 inch bull. I'm going to shoot it to, yeah. I'm not shooting anything less than a 340 or 350. Yeah. You know, I want that 380. Yeah. I want that 400 inch bull. And I think, especially now that guys have gotten more savvy on calling, there's a lot more information out there and just people are practicing so on and so forth that, these bulls tend to do that, pick up the cows and keep moving away because you sound like a bull, but at the same time, they're like, man, I don't know if I want to go mess with that. Cause I, I remember last year I went in yeah. and those were hunters, <laughs> you know, yeah. I went in there, I didn't get shot, but those are hunters, <laughs> you know? And yeah, uh, sure. I think that's kind of the thing that's going on. I agree. I, I could absolutely agree with that. They don't forget, man. And I will say, I will say too, I think there's a lot of times they might get called in at season two. That, you know what I mean? Like that early part. Like I've had very, very good luck, like September 1 to September 8th on calling in big bulls. As we, where they come from for us, they come off the mountains or like up in the high country. And on, when they're on their way down and they don't have, they haven't had any action yet and they're just getting started, they're susceptible. And they haven't been necessarily called in yet either. And so they're susceptible to being called in where later in the season, maybe they've been called in once or twice or called at once or twice. Dad always said, he said, the best time to kill a giant bull is the first time you mess with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, it becomes extremely hard. It could be the second time or the 20th time you, you finally get them on the right day to do it. But like, First time I'm, I I remember in Oregon, there's this, this is an over the counter unit and a big time over the counter unit it gets hunted pretty hard. There's no, I would say necessarily very few big bulls in this unit. Mm-hmm. I was, I had my aunt with me and I was guiding, but it was my aunt. And so she, I said, just come out and hunt elk. And I had a few days that I wasn't guiding and I'm like, let's just go, let's go hunt the public. I went into the public and as I heard from a cowboy, he saw a pretty big bull up on the, on the mountain. And nobody's thinking about elk yet. This is August 29th. And 
the cowboy told me for years there's a giant bull in the spot and i'm like oh yeah okay whatever <laughs> and i slipped in there and i and i hear i get out of the truck and i hear <laughs> i'm like what like this is way too early and i bugle at him and then there's two different bulls down in this hole I'm like there's no way and i slipped down in there and I start hearing in early season when there's a the cows get in these big wads in Oregon and I just hear cows going crazy and this bull is just screaming. And and I got in there and got on the edge of him and I bugled in his face. And I mean it was like just a snap of the thing. Here he comes. I'm like, what is going on here? He just comes running in, screaming, and he came into uh came into he was at 10 yards and my aunt pulls some really low poundage mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of brush in front of it i'm like no don't shoot don't shoot and he wins us jumps back but then he gets back to this cows i hunted him all that year couldn't get him killed the next year i go in there mm-hmm. later in the season and he's just and the whole moral of the story right there is he hadn't been messed with yet right right and this is on i mean this is a he was and this maybe a hole, but there's a public campsite. He was standing in the campsite where everybody parks, <laughs> like in camps. Like this bull has no clue. He just came off one of these big ranches and just is just living there. I'm like, oh my god. We ended up. I hunted him with a few other guys. A few, the next year, had him at 50 yards a few times. Just was impossible to call in. No, just getting on the edge of his cows. Is he had a huge wad of cows? I mean, every year he had the same wad, and um. Ended up killing him uh, with a client 10 miles from there in rifle season. He went 374. Mm. Wow. And it's just like for an over-the-counter, it's just it's just incredible though. And I've had it every year from that September. That was a, a outlier in August. But September 1 to August 8, I call in the biggest bulls that I call in probably the whole season in those units because they're it's before they've gotten messed with yet. Right, right. It's just it takes a lot of persistence though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, hunting pressure is uh, is definitely the number one dampening <laughs> factor of uh, yeah. of hunting, especially when you're oh, dealing yeah. with calling situation stuff. Well, you just got to learn how to maneuver it, right? You yeah. know, like I, I'm as good a caller as as anyone in the woods right now, and a lot of times I'm not picking up my calls. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's just you just gotta know you just gotta know uh where you're at and what the the bulls are acting like you know and there's other units in the state of oregon that i've hunted that are like seven point draw units that are are great bull i'm like i'm gonna call them all the way to the to me you know Mm -hmm. and it's just it's just it's it's interesting yeah because those have super low pressure you know whatever 20 tags or 50 tags in a in a unit and yeah Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great. Those are great hunts. Yeah. Yeah. They are great hunts. I, I get, I get really tired. And then the, actually the unit in Oregon, it's a, it's a 20, 22, 24 or whatever it is. I mean, it's just a crazy amount of points to draw, mm-hmm. but there are so many people in that unit messing with the elk that are not even people with tags. Just, just, just recreationalists. Just, yeah. 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 Just, and they, those bulls just run away. They get called at. Yeah. And it's just, I, it taught me a lot though, about how to kill bulls without calling because I've relied on calling my whole life to kill elk. Right. And so it just through the years guiding 
and having to get in these situations where I don't necessarily want to be hunting, honestly, when they're not, when you call at them and they just dead sprint run away. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it just, you turn, you just go back to, go back to mule deer hunting them. <laughs> right. I got one last question for you. Okay. Uh, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit. You started talking about it. You're, you're hearing a bull bugling. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what are you listening for specifically? And like, give me a couple of situations. So he's doing okay. this or he sounds like this and his, you know, how you gauge in his temperature or whatever you, how you, whatever you want to put it. Okay. And what no, are it, you, it, what are you it, doing it. with that information? Like, how are you, okay. Oh uh, yeah. If I hear him doing this, I'm doing that. Or if I hear him doing this, I'm doing that, you know, that kind of situation. Yeah. So there, there's like a million different right, things of course. I'm listening for. So let's just start with how he bugles. If it's nine o'clock and he goes, I'm, I know he's bedded. You know what I mean? Or he's getting ready to bed. He doesn't care. He's just like, oh, really? If I if I call and he if I call at nine o'clock and he just goes and just lets loose, mm-hmm. sit down, knock an arrow, start ranging. You know what I mean? And um, when I'm sitting there, I'm calling and I get him to go. This maybe it's just a medium bugle, like a. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, it, depending how far it is, but a lot of times I will still sit down and wait for a little bit, and just just and then I'm going to add in stuff. So I'm going to cow call at him and see if he answers, and wait. I'm going to chuckle at him, listen, and see if he answers. And I'm going to rake, and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to see if he answers, just to kind of figure out what he's preferring, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and so he likes all of them. I'm just going to cut the discs, pop his bubble, and just do what I normally do. Just calc all my way in there and then let off a little bugle this and point my tube usually right on the, right behind me mm-hmm. because I'm usually calling for myself and or another person and just try and drag him past me. But if I'm sitting there and I'm calling and I'm, I listened so heavily. I don't let I, anyone's with me. Like do not, my dad always told me, he said, do not breathe, do not move, do not think, just listen. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and listen for raking. You listen for twigs breaking. You listen for, if you hear raking, pick up that pick up that stick, slip down there, try and get in his bubble, rake your way in, and chuckle. Mm. You know what I mean? That's what I, I get in there. And, sh- 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 <laughs> and there's a lot of times that I chuckle my way in on a bull just to just to make him mad. So it's not just a high pitched bugle scream out of his face. You know, kind of something that's just realistic. Get in, get in this, get in his zone. You know, right? And uh, Man, if I, uh, you can usually you can hear, you, you can hear though the the tone change and the mood change when you get in this bubble though, you get in this you get in this zone and you call and he goes from one octave to five octaves, mm-hmm. you know instead of going wah they go wah you know it just hits that next level, like okay I've got his attention now doesn't mean he's always coming but I usually treat everything like they're coming that makes any sense right you know like that the whole is i've had so many times where i hear you hear so many people like i didn't think he was coming but i just kept going you know it's like okay every time i go sit down sit down range and call and just and then just wait to see what he's doing if he's walking away i slip in 
And once he starts like moving away big time, like what we were talking about a little earlier, then I start getting a little less careless and just trying to make him do something, raking my way in, run, like breaking sticks while I'm walking in. Like I'm not always trying to be elusive. I'm not that worried about stepping on stuff. If it's, you know, if I'm trying to stay on him, you know what I mean? And elk are loud. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's another thing I'm listening for, man. I'm listening for a rock to fall over. And when I'm calling and he's not bugling at all, I'm listening for that rock to move or just the slightest <laughs> on a tree, just as tines coming through the trees and, or their little wimpy, wimpy kind of, Oh, I'm just going to hit this tree. You know, I'm kind of mad at it, you know? And so it's, it's so, it's a, that's a loaded question because man, there's so no, many, I know. there's so many different things that could be happening, but you know, the, yeah. the point is if you gave us two or three situations and yeah. a guy that's listening to us, girl that's listening to this gets faced with that situation, they could go back and say, well, you know what? I remember hearing this. This is what exactly. you know, Bo does or whatever. So Chuckle, man. I, I'll tell you, don't, don't be afraid to chuckle more often. Yeah. Just chuckle. That's like kind of something that I, and, and cow call through your tube. I find myself doing that more often than anything. Is That's not a sound that people do as much. They're scared to kind of, they, they're okay with doing a bugle chuckle, but then just going <laughs> real pretty and, and hitting a tree. You know, you can just paint that picture. You can visualize that bull. He's sitting there hitting a tree working his way in on another bull and he's chuckling his way in. And so I think that that can be very useful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And my, my chuckle when I do it, isn't one of those, isn't one of those, I'll do it sometimes where it's a loud one, but it's, it's usually just a low. You know, your gorilla style one. Gorilla. Yep. We aping. Yeah. I, well, for uh, for whatever reason, I'm not very good at that one. I, I when I chuckle, I have to have that, like uh, like you're chuckling at the end of a lip ball or something like that, like that type of yeah. chuckle. Well, this is every once in a while I can get if I just do it like two or three times, like two or three notes, then I can or two or three sounds that come out, I could do it, but I couldn't like give you yeah. a full when it's when it's low volume like that for what I don't know I just don't does it come out right it's a it's more breath than than uh I, I guess I need yeah. more I more more breath to break over the the uh the, the reed to make the sound well one thing I can say that a lot of people have a tough time with is you can you take your call put it in the roof of your mouth flatten your tongue out on it mm-hmm. and drop your jaw more and, open, and like open your throat so instead of going <laughs> It goes, ooh, ooh, ooh. It comes from your stomach. Mm-hmm. That helps a ton, man. I have to check that out. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I've paid attention. <laughs> if I paid attention to the way, I, whether the way I do it or not. But I'll, yeah, I'll have to definitely see if that works. Changes things up here. So. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you got a chance to come on, and uh, yeah, I'm happy for you. I'm. I'm I, hope, I hope you do well with I the company it. and takes off. And I'm. Uh, I'm definitely uh, look forward to grabbing a couple of those reads and playing with them. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you having me on, and man, just praying, praying uh, we can get some calls out there. I'm pretty excited. Just get there. Uh, every one of them is made with love by us. So. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. 
Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. That, well, I know, really, there's a lot to that, you know, having a, you know, a handmade product that's, you know, unique. And so awesome. it's pretty cool. I, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good luck to you this year. And, uh, Hope you have a lot of success. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much. And we'll catch you on the next show.